0: Well, Happy New Year, everyone. It's great to be with you. It's great to start off uh, our new year in this way, right? The Solemnity of the Mother of God. More on that in a minute. However, I'm sure you all saw that Pope Benedict died. Uh, Pope Emeritus Benedict died yesterday. So, of course, we pray for him, right? This is... It was the first time in over 600 years that a pope had ever resigned. And so it's also the first time in over 600 years that uh, an emeritus pope, uh, what to do for him, right? How to have a funeral, how to proceed, what it looks like practically. And so the church is kind of in this unique time right now. We pray for the repose of his soul. And just to reflect maybe a couple of things, maybe three things where he's really been an inspiration to us in his life over the last many years, right? 95 years old. One of the big things that he really helped the church with over the last century, if we remember the the rise of the 20th century and especially the 19th century, there was a big uh, kind of leaning towards skepticism. We can't know things. We can't trust the Bible. Myth became very popular. I can't trust that Jesus actually performed miracles because, right, we don't see miracles in our life. And people began to distrust scripture. And one of the great contributions that Ratzinger makes, Pope Benedict, is he wants to, to see this as a false dichotomy. Logos, reason, the second person of the Trinity versus mythos, mythology. And Ratzinger comes on and says, Jesus, God, Christianity is not myth like people are saying it is. There's real reasons for belief. And the Logos, right, the second person of the Trinity, teaches us that God is logical. God speaks through a word. He creates and things happen. Logos versus mythos. Christianity is not a myth. It's real. Another thing that Ratzinger really fights for is the truth of the Second Vatican Council. The church was kind of in decline before the Second Vatican Council. The Second Vatican Council comes in order to revive the church. John XXIII, he said, "Uh, Church, open your doors. May we have a new discovery, a new encounter with the living God. And Pope Benedict, after the chaos of Vatican II, things are going crazy, right? Those who lived through the 70s and 80s probably remember the chaos in the liturgy. And Pope Benedict said, no, here's how to authentically interpret the Second Vatican Council. And he wrote extensively on the liturgy. One of the main reasons, right, why Father Brian has chosen to do Ad Orientum here is because the inspiration of Pope Benedict, calling us together that when we pray, we should all face the same direction, facing the cross, facing God together. Probably the last thing that I'll say that Pope Benedict has given to us, you know, if you've never read the book Jesus of Nazareth, I highly encourage you to do so. Jesus of Nazareth, Pope Benedict is essentially Uh, wanting to falsify the claims that the Bible is false. Once again, the turn of the century, people are saying, we can't trust the scriptures, we can't trust these things. And Pope Benedict and Jesus of Nazareth, he shows us who God is based on the scriptures, that the scriptures are logical, that they're reasonable, and that every word contained in the scripture is true. Biblical theology arises primarily because of the influence of Cardinal Ratzinger. We're grateful for his life, for his philosophy, especially his theology, and we pray for the repose of his soul. This past week, myself, Father Brian, all the companions, we're able to go up to the mountains for the octave, uh, the octave of Christmas. And we try to do this as companions after Christmas each year to kind of get away from the busyness of things, um, the busyness of Christmas, all these masses, and then we can go and really pray and rest. We went up to Grand Lake, and it was, uh, it was beautiful. It was incredible. One of the things I always love about the mountains this time of year, of course, is the snow. And when you're up there, right, uh, Dusk comes early, the sun sets early, and what comes out? The stars and the moon. And to see the beauty of the stars at night, and to see the way that they reflect against the snow, and to see everything light up. Uh, we were on Grand Lake there, Shadow Mountain Lake, and when you look out over a frozen ice, frozen lake, with snow on top with the stars, it just lights everything up. Uh, it's amazing. One of the great gifts that I loved, um, we got to play hockey when I was there. I grew up playing hockey, and so none of these other guys know how to skate, so uh, (laughs) it makes it really fun to play hockey with them. (laughs) But I must say, we did get Father Brian on some skates. He is actually pretty athletic, so he's more athletic than he looks, right? (laughs) Right? It's, it's, it's enjoyable. It's fun to do these things. But that image, the image of the beauty of the, uh, of the stars with the moon across that lake with the snow on it, lighting up the night. This is the image that I want to give you today. Why? Because Mary, today her feast day, the mother of God, the moon has always been a symbol for Mary. See, the moon doesn't give off its own light. It's a reflection of the sun. And so too, Mary, why do we celebrate her all the time? Because she gives birth to the God-man. She doesn't produce her own light. She becomes a reflection of the sun of God. A few years ago, we had that beautiful, total, solar eclipse. Maybe you guys see it. They didn't let us out of seminary. We were stuck there, but we got to see, I got to see partial, the partial solar eclipse, right? And it was so profound. It was uh, 90% covered, whatever uh, the percentage was. It was so close to being the total uh, eclipse. But going outside, you could feel the difference of the heat. You could see the difference of the shadows. And it felt darker. If you had the chance to drive maybe a little bit and see the total uh, eclipse, right, uh, it messes with everything. Animals begin to go to sleep. Their circadian rhythms get messed up. But what's so profound when you're in a total solar eclipse is that you can take off your, those, those glasses, those sunglasses that they make you wear, you can take those off for those brief couple of minutes. And you can actually look at the sun for the first time in your life. You can look at the sun, you can behold it, and what do you see? You see the moon and the shadow of the moon. The moon doesn't give off its own light. It's through the moon then that we're able to look upon the sun. It's through Mary, brothers and sisters, that we're able to gaze upon the sun. Mary doesn't produce her own light, but she brings us to the feet of Jesus. Jesus, the true light, comes at Christmas. And then how fitting it is, a week later, on the eighth day, on the octave day, we celebrate Mary, the mother of God. Why has this become a feast? It seems so obvious, right? Of course, Mary is the mother of God. She gives birth to him. You see, in the fourth and fifth century, what they were wrestling with is not just who Mary is, but who is Christ. You see, every time we have a Marian heresy, something that goes against Mary, it really goes back to Christ. It's a Christological heresy. Because what these people wanted to say, his name is Nestorius, the Nestorian heresy, what he wanted to say is, Mary didn't give birth to God, She gave birth to a human nature, right? That doesn't make any sense. But they were wrestling with how could God, how how could he who is infinite and eternal, how could he become flesh? How could God become a man? A man who suffers. A man who has, uh, right, we get sick, we, we struggle in this life. How could God enter into that? God is perfect but yet he loves us so much that he becomes a human being to redeem us. Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man. Therefore Mary must give birth to his humanity the God-man. That's why we can say Mary is the mother of God. And how fitting it is we celebrate this on the beginning of the new year so that we can reorient our new year to say, Jesus, I want this year to be about you, but it must be through the reflection of your mother so that I can go to you, Jesus, through your mother all things to Jesus through Mary. If there's one word that I want you to remember today. It's just that simple word, reflect. There's two things I want you to remember with it. First, we're called to be a reflection of the true light of the world. We're called to be like Mary. How can you reflect Jesus, the true light, in your life a little bit more this year? How can you be a reflection of Him? How can you bring Christ into the world? How can you reflect that light? The second point of reflection. Our gospel today. Mary gives birth. Christmas then all these wonderful things happen the angels come the shepherds come right pretty soon the wise men the kings the magi will come but what does mary do mary kept all these things reflecting on them in her heart reflecting brothers and sisters i want to challenge you today and including this whole year. As we reflect the light of the world, how can we also reflect in our hearts what God is doing within us, what God is doing for us? Part of reflecting on things means remembering. Do you remember the good things God has done for you in 2022? Do you remember the different things God has done in your life? How God maybe has drawn close to you, right? You see we get so busy and so chaotic and, and we just go through life that we forget to reflect and be grateful for what God is doing. I look back at this year and I reflect. I don't feel like I've grown. I look back last week. I don't feel any different. But I look back at January 1st, 2022, and it's a new person. I have grown. We have to stop, we have to reflect, and we have to remember the good things that God is doing in our life. And with that, we make all these kind of New Year's resolutions. Right, the typical New Year's resolutions are, right, if you've been to the gym today uh, or when you go tonight, it'll be completely packed, right? (laughs) We often make New Year's resolutions to deal with our body. I diet, I exercise, and then in two months, the gyms will be empty again, right? What about your mind? Can you make a New Year's resolution that has to do with your mind? Can you read something? Can you read about the faith? Can you read Cardinal Ratzinger? But most importantly, what about your spiritual life? What resolution can you make this year to say, Jesus, I want to grow closer to you? What do you want to ask for? Reflect on that in your heart, ponder these things, and ask of the Lord because he wants to give it to you. One of the things that I have been begging the Lord for is a a deeper awareness of his peace in my life. Peace. One of the things I've struggled with about being a new priest uh, is I like to say yes to everything. I want to say yes to everything. But we all know we can't do everything. And you have to learn how to say no at times. Lord, I desire your peace all the chaos in our world, all the chaos that I see on TV. Jesus, I desire your peace. Jesus, we ask that you would give your peace to us this year, today, in a new way. Help us to reflect you, the true light of the world, and help us to reflect on the beautiful things that you are doing in our life. Close, I want to just read the first reading one more time. See this great benediction, this great blessing, the priestly benediction uh, from from the book of Numbers. Once a year, at the beginning of every year, the high priest would pray this over Israel. And that's why the church, in her wisdom, we read this at the beginning of every year. And may it be our prayer and our desire as well. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.